You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily podcast on the Dallas Cowboys, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is Landon McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can also check him out on the Best Coast Boys podcast. Landon, what's going on, sir? It's question time. I love question time. Yeah, this, is, this is one of my favorite podcasts. It really because is. We never know what we're going to talk about. You guys have some great questions for us. I uh, sent out a tweet. I uh, got some great responses back. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. Uh, our first question comes from Austin, and I love this question. He says, everyone is saying that Beasley, Cole Beasley, is replaceable, but isn't it a huge deal if the Cowboys whiff on his replacement? He says, Beasley is one of the two or th- one or two players in the roster who can get open. Uh, so, Lane, I'm going to ask you, if the Cowboys don't figure out a way to replace Beasley this, this offseason, wouldn't you say that's a big problem? I, I think... This is this is got to be parsed a little bit because I think what's important is Beasley's role in the offense be replaced. That that is important. Does it need to be a diminutive slot receiver who wins the same way that Beasley does? Not a five-eight slot receiver. No, not does necessarily. It have to? No, no, no. Does it even need to be a slot receiver? No, not necessarily. I, I but I think that if the idea is that you need. One more guy who could be a, uh, a man beater, uh, you know, a guy who can beat, who can win one on one situations in man coverage, uh, and who can operate, you know, hopefully either in the middle of the field or, uh, you know, th- if they can find someone for if they're looking, someone on the outside to do it, then they can move Cooper inside to let him kind of operate inside uh, in the middle of the field. But I, I think. It's a good question, but I think that really what more needs to be replaced is having a guy who you can rely on to win their their battle on third down to convert. That's not an easy thing to 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 replace, but I also think it's an easier thing to replace than trying to find a Cole Beasley clone, if that makes sense. Like, if you open up the idea of what you need Beasley for and then find a way to get a solution from that from the larger pool of also tight ends or whatever, uh, or or what wide receivers of a different variety as well, uh, I think it's a lot easier to find that person, that, that person who can function as that role on the offense, than someone who is does exactly what Beasley does, if that makes sense. I, I, I don't know if I'm contextualizing that enough, but no, no, the point is, is that I think that you need somebody who can be that 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 go to uh, on third down, who could be that other person besides Cooper, who can you can force the ball to when you need a conversion. Uh, I don't know that that person needs to come from the slot receiver position. I don't know that, that person has to be a slot receiver who wins with route running the way that Beasley does. I just think it needs to that role needs to be filled. Uh, in, that in a larger sense. I think this is a great question because I'm one of these people that don't believe that you can draft a slot receiver in year one and instantly get solid production. And I mean, again, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I just feel like 
if the goal is to let Beasley walk in free agency and draft a Penny Hart in the fourth or fifth round, who we both really like a lot, I, I think you're going to see a significant drop in play from that position in year one, right? I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I just think they're not ready to replace Cole Beasley yet. I, I would much rather see them re-up Beasley for a year and draft a Penny Hart or Andy Isabella, ease them into the, the offense, and then let Beasley go in 2020. Unfortunately, I don't know if they're going to have that luxury, well, right? I, I think they're going to be they're going to be kind of forced to choose one or the other. Let's also keep in mind that I, I think that you know again, this is not a about finding a guy to replace. Not even just about what I said. It's not even just about finding a guy, a guy to replace Beasley's you know production. The, the fact is is that you've got a guy on your team in Cooper who you know has only been on the team for half a season. So his role in the offense, his targeting number, uh, that's going to change too. And that's probably and I gonna, would expect it to go up. Yeah, yeah. and that, my point is that, that that would potentially eat into Beasley's targeting. Uh, I think you like some of the things that you saw in Jarwin, you know, and, 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 and some of the, the – of the, uh, passing situations he could provide you. I think that's going to go up a little bit more. Uh, so uh, my point being that uh, I think that the the role that we had in mind for Beasley going into the season l- last year even more so may have been whittled down to a point because you want to give more balls to, to Cooper, uh, th- th- who was a guy you didn't have going into the season last year. You want to give more balls to Jarwin because you've seen him develop a little bit more. And, and you know, obviously that's not even talking about Gallup, who's going to be a better player. So sure. I-, I think there's going to be less passes for someone like Beasley anyways next season. Uh, but that doesn't, you know. That, but see, again, I could make the case. I could make the case that I think there's going to be even more passes available to them, right? As teams study how the Cowboys' offense is, they're going to try to do everything they can to take away Amari Cooper, right? You're going to start seeing more double coverage, uh, maybe like Des in, in you know 2014 or whatever that season was, where Beasley caught 75 passes. It wouldn't be that shocking if teams decided, you know what, we can't double Beasley or that slot receiver that anymore. That guy's just going to have to be single coverage. And and you see that you know that position become of more value. What what if the idea is that they want to play Cooper more in the slot? I mean, what if the and idea I'm fine is with that, that? But you, they just don't have they don't have the outside of Gallup. Is there another outside receiver on the roster? Well, that's my that, that was kind of what I was getting originally. Right. Is that but, is that? But you that's can't just how have, you, you can't just have two guys there. You need to have a, you need to have more depth there. At that no position. no no. I, that, that's what I'm saying. Is that I think that that. That's why the the job should be opened up to not just Beasley people because if you can get another guy on the outside, then you can use Cooper the inside more. You know, what I'm saying like that's why this 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 solution doesn't need to be fit with a you know a Cole Beasley shaped piece. This this solution to the puzzle can be moved by move. This is a bad example because puzzles don't work that way. But sure. <laughs> I guess you know you could rework a lot of this other stuff. Uh, you know, and reshuffle kind of roles and, and that sort of thing. If you could find uh, uh, an equivalent piece on the outside or a tight end who could do similar things, winning one on one, you know what I'm saying? Like uh, another tight end that you like. Uh, I think that my point is is that do if Beasley walks, do we need another offensive weapon? Absolutely. Does it need to be a slot wide receiver? Does it need to be a win that way? Definitely not. But let me let me ask you this then. If Beasley stays, do you need another receiver? Because I still would say yes, and I think that's my problem here. So I think, I think they need a, a, another outside speed guy on top of Beasley. So if you do let Beasley walk, I think then you need to go out and get two receivers, and that's kind of my problem here. I kind of think that 
I don't know what they feel about a uh, Cedric Wilson and b Devin Smith. And it's not that like that's like a, a solution to anything necessarily, but I think that they've got enough guys at the at their spots that you know they could walk in with what they've got to the draft and maybe take a guy later in the draft. You know, the, the, a flyer on a guy later in the draft. I, I mean, I'm not opposed to them going out and getting another guy. I, I'm just saying, like, I could easily see a situation where if they decided to re-sign, you know, uh, Beasley. That that's all that they wanted to do at free agency, yeah, and that's and, fair. That's part of the equation that we don't know is what do they yeah. think of Cedric Wilson? Uh, Devin Smith was a guy they signed to a futures contract, uh, and even Noah Brown. Noah Brown's another guy who, who we started to see at the end of the year start having a bigger role in the team. Maybe they think he could ultimately develop into an outside starting receiver. So again, that's part of the you know the whole part that we won't know about. So um, let's go on to a different question. This one's from Edward. Uh, we're about. Oh, about three weeks out from free agency. He kind of wants to know right now, do you, do we think the Cowboys are ultimately going to sign Earl Thomas? I kind of do. Yeah, I mean, it's really trending that direction, doesn't it? It I seems mean, I, like that. I just feel like they do. Like, I don't have, you know, there's a lot of hand-wringing going on about the DeMarcus Lawrence situation, which I'm not concerned about. I, I just, I feel like that money's already, I, I feel like about mid-season last year, uh, that that they had already kind of, you know, cut that money out. Like they they're like, okay, we we know, yes, we're doing. They carved that money out for next year because they they knew that they wanted to re-sign him. So right. I'm not really concerned about that. I think they have a good handle on what the what the what what he wants and what they what that what they want to give him. And I think that they're kind of just figuring out the rest of it. I I really do believe that he'll get re-signed. Uh, and then on top of that, I think even when they were in the process of knowing that, um. You know, I, I, I think they wanted Errol Thomas as well. You know, they they had that in mind as well that they that they that they wanted to get their hands on, and they knew then that it would it would cost them some money. Uh, and they, I don't obviously they, I don't know if they spoke directly to Earl's group. I, I I don't think it ever got to that far, but I think they had a good idea of a good handle on what Earl wanted. Um, I yeah, I just think that it you know Earl's moving to Texas. I mean he's you know he went to school in Austin, so that's not surprising. But still, I, I just it just feels like you know there's a lot of momentum there, and it, it never really kind of left. I think once he got injured and once the the situation uh, he didn't sign, uh, he didn't you know he had to return to Seattle. It, it kind of got suspended, but I, I don't know that you know I don't know that it. it ever went away and ever dissipated and now that free agency is officially on it, it doesn't feel like there's been anything that's happened that's really you know stunted that momentum yeah i'm one of these people that likes to follow the kind of the tea leaves with some of the stuff in free agency i i know nfl teams aren't allowed to contact these players until that tampering period or whatever they call it is now but free agency is happening as we speak, right? These these guys, these teams, they all have back channels of ways to get a, to, yeah. to a hold of it. So, if you read the tea leaves on you know just some of this stuff, it sure seems like Earl's coming to the Cowboys. Uh, I think there was a report this week that he's enrolled his kids into a school in Austin, Texas. Um, I, I don't think you just change schools for your kids just in the middle of the year for no reason, right? I mean, you have you have a oh, he bought a, a house young, in Austin. I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. So it's you, uh, you, you just don't do that kind of stuff just for fun and to throw people off, right? They're, they're, if he's moving his kids to to go to school in Austin, there's a reason why. 
Um, I remember following, again, this is going to the NBA, but I remember following this with basketball with LeBron. LeBron bought houses in L.A., was enrolling his kids into school here, and all of a sudden he signs with the Lakers. Um, uh, don't be surprised when the Earl Thomas deal happens pretty early in free agency. I, we don't know the numbers. I think there's probably some some stuff still going on there. But I, this, I, this is the most confident that I've ever felt that the Cowboys are going to be signing Earl Thomas. I'm just curious to see what the numbers come in at. Um, all right, let's they've go ahead. No, they've got, real quick, they've got no first-round pick. They've got a ton of cap room, as much as they've had in a long, long time. Uh, you know, they're close. They're a close team. Like, I mean, the, despite everyone's hand-wringing of this coaching staff, the quarterback, and every part, single individual part of this team and how terrible they, they seemingly think we are, uh, you know, we're, we're, I think we're closer than people are giving us credit to these other teams. I, well, uh, the, and, everybody in the NFL is so close. If you make the playoffs, you're close, right? Yeah, That's, and I think I, and, and we did all that while still also having the youngest team in the NFL, or def, definitely the youngest team in the playoffs. So, uh, you know, I think that the the making a move like this, you know, is – uh, you know, I think it's, we've seen teams have success doing this, getting close to the season before. Uh, maybe not. You know, L.A. did something very similar. Not that I'm comparing them to, us to the Rams, but, it, you know, they they went all in the next year. They Does every all... one of these shows have to turn into a Best Coast Boys podcast? It doesn't have it... to. We, I mean, I mean <laughs> is it so terrible? No. <laughs> but, no, I just think that you know, I think they've got the, they've got some money. They can afford it. They they kind of have a plan on how they plan on on signing these contracts that they have coming in. I, I think that there's a period there where they can afford a couple years of Earl Thomas and you put him in that defense and you see what happens. Especially if the the guaranteed money is low. You know, if you give him if you give him, you know, team options where if he stays healthy and he, he looks like the same Earl Thomas and you can do that, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um let's go ahead and do a different question. This one comes from Jared. Which realistic wide receiver, either in free agency or the draft, would make the Dallas receiving core the best it can be, considering they would complement Cooper and Gallup as well. So just kind of think of some of the names that are out there, you know, Golden Tate, Tyrell Williams, uh, Andy Isabella in the draft. Which player do you think makes the most sense for the Cowboys? (sighs) I have a name, if you're thinking. I've got a name. Are you ready? Yeah, give me yours. I talked about him a little bit on Twitter yesterday. Now, this player's not 100% healthy. But I think Emmanuel Sanders, if he comes in at the right price, and it sounds like he's going to be released, makes a lot of sense. That's a guy that can play in the slot, can play on the outside. He's always been known to be a great route runner. He's, he's really quick. He's great with the ball in his hands. You, could you bring him in on a two-year deal at you know $8 million a season? Maybe. I, I just think that's the perfect receiver that you want opposite of Amari Cooper because he, he gets open so quickly and he can do so many different things. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I definitely that, – that type of receiver is, is kind of what I, I think would be appealing for sure. A, a route runner, uh, um, a guy who can um, you know, kind of get open with his feet. Uh, I, I think, you know – I've heard, you know, I've heard kind of mixed things about uh, Sanders and his 
is he does he have locker room issues? I, 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 that again, that's stuff that we don't know. We can only deal yeah. with what we see on the field. I, I've you know, you've heard rumblings, but you've also seen Peyton Manning reach out and say how great of a teammate he is. But again, yeah. we, that's stuff we don't know. I mean, he's an SMU guy, so you know maybe he wants. I don't know his pre-college. He's from he, Texas. Is he a Texas yep. guy? Okay, so you know maybe there's an appeal there. I, I don't. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I don't disagree because I think that that kind of guy is 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 sort of who you're looking for. Um, you know, I I think that I mean, if we're just going to talk about it, would make us the best, make it the best, right? Right. Uh, man, if uh, I hate saying this because it's just short of the of uh, Golden Tate, but. Man, if Deshaun Jackson wanted to come over, I, I agree. I've always said that Deshaun would be a perfect <laughs> fit as a number two. He really would be. Yeah. I know Cowboy fans hate him for his days in Philadelphia and Washington, but that's exactly what this offense needs. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that would be that would be pretty uh, that would definitely be pretty pretty beneficial to all, all parties involved. I mean, just because I think he would get a lot more good looks. Um, I think he would get the opportunity to touch the ball on the ground a little bit in some of this reverse stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't be so mad about Deshaun Jackson just because I think he would help a lot. I agree. Uh, I tweeted that out a couple months ago, and Deshaun Jackson's mom messaged me and said that will never happen. His her son's never coming to Dallas. So, oh, okay, great. Just cool. yeah, just for what it's well, worth. I like Deshaun. Well, I think you I too, think, Deshaun. I mean, uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I like Deshaun. I think they need that kind of player, but uh, I don't think he's coming. Okay. Anyways, uh, cool. let's go to another question. This one. Well, forget you, Deshaun's mom. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, don't please don't add her. That was not a pleasant conversation. All right, this question from Jeffrey. Uh, what is the skill set Rod Marinelli is looking for in a one technique on early downs, and could that person or player be used elsewhere on the defensive line on third down, or are they a situational player only? So, what is Rod Marinelli looking for in a one technique? I mean, was the person asking for on just first downs or, or was it just in downs, general? Early downs. So, you know, usually they, they're, they're lined up in what's called the one technique, which is the crack between the guard and the center. Um, and the, they their job is to basically force those two players to occupy him. Um, and and to you know cause such havoc that they re- required both players to block him because it, otherwise especially if you think about a traditional like zone running systems uh, you know one of those two guys is trying to get off of that block uh, and focus on getting onto the second level to block the second the second level linebackers and, and strong safety as they flow to the football so really you know in, in run situations. You know, we talk about trying to keep linebackers clean. What he, what they're trying to do is continue to force both the guard and the center to occupy the, them, them being the one technique, uh, and, and not allow them to uh, to get to uh, up onto a linebacker and make a block. A lot of some people ask about what defensive holding is, why why it gets called on defensive linemen from time to time, which is, is not very often, awesome, honestly, but. Um, it's it's usually in this case where the the the, the guard of the center is is duo blocking a, a one technique and then they're they're peeling off to go to the second part of their assignment which is to block a linebacker and the defensive tackle is grabbing and uh, you know holding the the guard or center from trying to get to the second level. 
Uh, so let me ask you this. We've had a lot of different one techniques over the last, I don't know, how many years has Rod Miller and I been here now? Five? Yeah. I mean, the, the list of one techniques, the names is, is long. Who was the ideal kind of prototype player for that position for Rod? Well, I, I mean, I think Booker McFarland is 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 that's the, like the, that's like the that's the very the top end of it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Booker McFarland was an incredible, incredible athlete. Like, I mean, you know, when you when you compare him next to Warren Sapp, I mean, uh, it, it, Warren Sapp was a freak. I remember when I was in high school, we had a, a like a tr- you know, in, in football, we had our own like kind of ranking. They had their own formula for grading off season, you know, weight measurements, bench press forty, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And we ran Warren Sapp's <laughs> Warren Sapp's no uh, testing scores from the combine through <laughs> that through our high school measurement, and it was like literally triple the highest score that our school had ever had, or something <laughs> like that. So, but but the point was is that Warren Sapp was a once in a generation athlete at defensive tackle. I don't know that people realize that, and and because of that, it kind of. You know, overshined how good of an athlete Booker McFarland is, but there were definitely periods. And I, I lived in Tampa when they won the Super Bowl, like and got an up close look at that. And and there were definitely times when Booker McFarland was playing at a higher level than Warren Sapp was. Absolutely. Uh, and and I think that you know what what that is is that he's a, you know he was six one and not even three hundred pounds probably. I mean he was probably three hundred pounds at the end, but I mean he was probably two ninety. But he was just so strong and so stout and so quick he could get off the line and. Re- set the line of scrimmage and the the offensive linemen were just basically trying to recover from his initial quickness and trying to reset the line of scrimmage and, and couldn't even uh, uh, be bothered with what was happening in the second level and I think that's kind of and, and honestly I think you know you see it with Woods a lot and I think he's really something to, to, to keep keep an eye on because I think um, you he can do a lot of that. He's got a, a level of quickness and strength combination that, it, it, when when he is consistent with his technique and can do it, like he does a good job of re- resetting that uh, that offensive line uh, back a few feet. It's just a matter of can we get that consistency? What is he also giving us as a pass rusher? You know that sort of th- every, everything else that kind of goes along with that position. And, and they, they answer the question. Yeah, you could probably find. I mean, it, there's there's if you go out and drafted a guy in the first round, you could probably get your hands on a defensive tackle who could be a first a one tech a, you know powerful valuable one technique who also could rush the passer on third down. But the Cowboys just haven't done that, you know. And 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 those guys are kind of rare creatures so sometimes getting a guy like that is expensive whether it's in draft capital or in free agents money or uh it has a high rate of busting because defensive linemen especially guys that are based solely on athleticism are those guys who you know re- regularly bust out and are, are hard to to hit on so you you, you it, the cowboys may not view that as a gamble that they are willing to take just for her reference, because I, I wanted to go see how Booger McFarland did at the combine. Six foot, three hundred pounds, ran a four eight five, which is, I mean, just incredible for a defensive lineman. Uh, but for more a one technique, for a one technique, like for you know what I'm technique. saying? Like I mean, think not even just for a three technique. That's incredible for a three technique. But this is a guy who has made his living, you know, taking up guarded centers in his face. You know, at the same time, he's running a four sure. eight five. Uh, his the most impressive thing about Booger McFarland, twenty yard shuttle of four two eight. Just wow. to compare, wow. uh, Aaron, Don- Aaron Donald was at four three nine. Odell Beckham four three six. So you're talking about a guy that has the quickness of 
It's quicker than Odell Beckham. And, and that's what, and that's you know, three hundred I mean, pounds. And that's what they like. These guys, they want their one techniques to be constant. They don't want the fat and sloppy guys because they want their off their defensive linemen constantly running, running to the football, chasing guys down. I mean, you've seen Marinelli one techniques chase running backs down from the behind on the outside. Oh, they're athletes, you know. Oh, yeah. So they that's that's a requirement. So well, that's uh, why they could play guys like Dayton Jones there, right? They yeah. they wanted the guys that could that are the great athletes to play that spot. So yeah. Um, just good. That was good stuff on uh, the Cowboys One Technique. All right, that is it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Tomorrow we will be back looking at some day three running backs that the Cowboys could potentially be interested in. I'm excited. There's This is a good class. It's a, it's a fun group of guys that I think could, could make an impact right away. Make sure you follow Landon at McCoolBCB. You can follow the show at Locked on Cowboys, and I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier, and we will see you guys next time. 